ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your weekly episode from EduCast. Robert Lado, an American modern linguistics expert, once said, To learn a new language, one must establish orally the patterns of the language as subconscious habits. Lado, who was born of Spanish parents, learned English as a second language for the first time at the age of 21. He studied and developed an interest in contrastive linguistics at the University of Michigan's English Language Institute under its director, the structural linguist Charles Fries. Both of them worked together, Fries with his interest in the structures or patterns of languages, and Lado with his belief that the differences between languages were the cause of learning difficulty. Out of their collective efforts evolved the audiolingual method. It was widespread in the 1950s, particularly in the United States, peaked in the mid-1960s, and then virtually disappeared without trace, only to return in recent years in some learning apps like Duolingo. So, how does the audiolingual method work? Fries argued in his best-known book, The Structure of English, 1952, if adults of foreign speech are to learn English, they must learn to respond to give the signals by which a language conveys its structural meanings. For such learning are those that are based upon an accurate descriptive analysis of the structural patterns. Accordingly, lists of sentence patterns were devised, such as the contents of the book that Lado helped produce in 1943. Some of these patterns were like, When did you arrive? I'm studying grammar. What are you studying? It's a good class. It's a grammar class. The two basic principles on which teaching of these patterns was based were habit formation through repetition and avoidance of translation. To support the case of habit formation, later developments in behavioral psychology were enlisted. Then, the defining activity of the audiolingual method was the pattern practice drill. Here's how Lado described it. The student is led to practice a pattern, changing some element of that pattern each time, so that normally he never repeats the same sentence twice. Furthermore, his attention is drawn to the changes which are stimulated by pictures, oral substitutions, etc. And thus, the pattern itself, the significant framework of the sentence, rather than the particular sentence, is driven intensively into his habit reflexes. Developments in technology, including the language laboratory, would make this mechanical practice more mechanical still, but would at least relieve the teacher of the need to become a drill master. But it wasn't all drilling. Here's how a typical lesson might be structured according to an audiolingual textbook of its time called English Through Patterns. New patterns are introduced at the beginning of each lesson through a dialogue or a serialized story. Structures are presented in frames followed by A, exercise which serves as an explanatory device, B, drill, designed to establish the new structure as an automatic response, C, practice, where the student is required to use the structure in a less restricted framework and thereby assure his comprehension and control. And now, here comes the question, does it work? Theoretically, 
the audiolingual method suffered many reverses. For a start, contrastive analysis failed to predict many of the errors that learners typically make, suggesting that errors were not necessarily bad habits. Imitation alone cannot account for linguistic creativity. Having the students parrot meaningless phrases isn't learning. However, Scott Thornberry suggests that Having a repetitive practice and the memorization of prototypical examples of patterns and commonly occurring chunks might benefit both fluency and the acquisition of grammar. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening and waiting for your comments. See you in another episode.